Morning, folks. Happy New Year. You're listening to Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. And it is New Year's Day. We've made it to the year 2024. The rapture hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Uh, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole when it comes to when the rapture will be, you know. Um, I know the majority of evangelicals out there are pre-trib, but anyway, let's let's not get distracted on today's New Year's show. The song that I played just now was Drang Garner. I hope I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, by Day Fox. And uh, what I'm going to be doing now, just for a little fun spin to the show, I'll be uh, playing new songs every week. Um, I, love, I love music. I love hip-hop beats. I grew up listening to hip-hop music out here in California. So, you know, uh, hip-hop, R&B, and so forth. Um, and so I think it will give this podcast maybe a unique little spin. If I play maybe a couple of new songs a week for the intro and outro music of this morning podcast, um, hopefully you guys are down with that. Um, and I'll probably then have a longer intro and outro for my podcast. Um, my goal is to then play most of the actual song, I think, at the end of each uh, show. Um, so I'm looking forward to this, you know, just seeing what the Lord does with this new podcast venture this morning show that we got going on. And uh, I've noticed that my downloads right now are going up. And uh, so I think people are enjoying the podcast. And I do hope and pray that you are being blessed by it. So today, New Year's Day, I want to bring to all of you a word from the book of Micah. Our last podcast on Friday, we looked at the book of Habakkuk. Micah prophesied within Judah, like Habakkuk did, but he prophesied a century before that of Habakkuk. Micah prophesied from the reign of Jotham up until the days of King Hezekiah, during which the Neo-Assyrian Empire was coming into power. The Lord used Micah to declare to the people of Israel their need for repentance. They had broken God's covenant with them. And so the Lord warned them of a coming exile because of their rebellion. Judgment was coming. And first, the people of Judah would witness the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel 
by the hand of the Assyrians. But then judgment would eventually come upon them, those of the southern kingdom of Judah. But God would still be faithful to his people. He is a keeper of his promises. And there were unconditional promises that he made to Abraham many years before that had to be kept. And so through Micah, God predicted that though judgment upon Judah was uh, inevitable, the Lord would still promise to one day exalt Jerusalem far above the nations and bring together the remnant of Jews who would restore God's dominion upon the earth. Now, some would say that spiritually, at least, this has already happened through Jesus Christ, because he reigns upon the earth from Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, as we read in Hebrews 12:22. But within the book of Micah, in chapter 6, the Lord is bringing his accusation against the people of Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, notice how God says at the beginning, My people, what have I done to you? What have I done to burden you? The answer to that, of course, was nothing. God had done absolutely nothing to burden the people of Israel. If anything, it was the opposite. For God had delivered the people of Israel from their burden, the burden of slavery. So they didn't have anything to complain about. If anything, the Israelites were to be grateful. They should have expressed such gratitude in their obedience to the Mosaic Covenant. They had no excuse to not abide in their end of the Mosaic Covenant. Throughout the religion of Judaism, there was a strong understanding that because of God's choosing the Israelites and bestowing His mercy upon them, in that way, by calling them His elect, the Hebrew people should have responded to him in submission to his statutes as an expression of gratitude to his work in their lives. This was an understanding that permeated the religion of Judaism even up into the later years and up to the time of Jesus. Years ago, E.P. Sanders, 
noted how within Jewish Taniatic literature, the themes of election and covenant are present. Within Taniatic literature, one can find, quote, several passages in which a rabbi explicitly states that entrance into the covenant was prior to the fulfillment of commandments. In other words, that the covenant was not earned, but that obedience to the commandments is the consequence of the prior election of Israel. God chose his people. He delivered them out of Egypt. He was with them through the wilderness journey. He helped them overcome those who sought to curse them. Remember Balak, the king of Moab. We read of what he plotted back within the book of Numbers. But God was with Israel. He brought them into the promised land. They overcame the Canaanite tribes that were there. And so all God then was expecting of his people from that point on was to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Now, we are similar to the Israelites because we have also been chosen by God. Believers have been chosen. We've been chosen. Peter tells us, to those who have been chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and wait for it, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Just as the Israelites were called and chosen to be obedient to the Mosaic Covenant, we as well have been called to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And being obedient to Jesus Christ is the same thing as being obedient to the Mosaic Law. How's that? Well, Jesus is the fulfiller of the law. The high moral standard that Jesus preached while on this earth was rooted in the moral compass of the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law was present to teach people the type of relationship that they should be having with God. And Jesus, of course, came and clarified everything the law was pointing towards. And now it is up to us to walk in accordance with all that he taught us. Remember, before Jesus ascended, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you. We're to walk in obedience. God expects this of us. So again, just as the Israelites were expected to be obedient to the Lord after their deliverance, after their exodus, so are we. And what is it that the Lord requires of us now in 2024? Well, He wants us to do three things. <laughs> And they, for the most part, all overlap and correlate with each other. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. If only the majority of people in modern society, if only the majority 
would abide in these traits. The Israelites were given the Mosaic Law to follow. They were to follow all the stipulations of the Mosaic Law. But if they simply abided in the ethics of love and justice, they would have no problem then following all the stipulations of the Mosaic Law. Because Paul said in Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then also walking humbly before the Lord. Remember, one of the Pharisees, who was an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is what God expects of us, folks. He wants us to walk in love, mercy, justice, humility. And it is so needed nowadays. Whenever I go out of the house, and I'm in public, and I see people out in public who are getting angry, getting stressed. The cashier at the grocery store, who's a little bit rude to you. The person who beeped you, and maybe even flipped you off when you were driving on the freeway next to them. The waitress at the restaurant, who maybe didn't provide for you the best service. She didn't smile or give you the type of eye contact that you thought she should have <laughs> when she was taking your order. I mean, hey, you know, I mean, at least you got your food, right? <laughs> well, she should have smiled at me because that's good customer service, you know. They, they sh she should go out of her way to be as friendly to customers as she possibly can, you know. But what I'm getting to in all this is I always try to remind myself that everyone's going through something. The person you had an interaction with out in public. The waitress at the restaurant. The teller at the bank. The receptionist over the phone who scheduled your doctor's appointment. Whoever it was that you thought should have demonstrated, you know, better service to you or work or a better attitude than you thought they did. Keep in mind that maybe they had a bad day. <laughs> Maybe the person just found out that a loved one passed away the day before. Maybe the person just found out that they've been cheated on by their spouse. Maybe the person is just overwhelmed and stressed with the amount of work they have to do. You see, if you walk throughout life with a more loving attitude and loving heart, you'll be able to take a step back and you'll be able to consider the broader perspective when someone out in the public maybe isn't friendly to you or you perceive them as being rude. I'm not saying that they weren't. But, people aren't perfect. And you're not perfect either. <laughs> when I was out in the workforce, working with the public regularly, I had a number of jobs back in the day in customer service. 
And there were times when I, I'll, I'll admit, I was being what some would label as rude or unfriendly towards customers. Not because I wanted to be, but because people constantly were so rude to me on a regular basis as I worked in retail. And it got to the point where I just got tired of it. And I became rather grumpy. Rather a, you know, straight shooter type of guy. Not to say that that was right on my part. But you see, I'm trying to provide for you a different perspective. Lots of people working in customer service are quite rude and unhappy, but oftentimes that's because they're being verbally abused themselves by the public left and right. So people are rude to them, abusive to them, then they start to develop a, a rude and abusive attitude themselves. It's, it's a cycle of abuse, I guess you could say, right? But when you do encounter someone in the public that's being what you take as rude, or not as considerate as you think they should be, perhaps you can look at this broader perspective. Think about what they might be going through in their personal lives. Think about where they maybe come from, their background, their upbringing. They might be dealing with years and years of deep-rooted pain because of the way they were treated by their parents when they were a child. And they're, they're still dealing with depression over it all these years later, and, and, and as a result of that, they're, they're not the happiest person, they're not the friendliest person when they're checking you out at the grocery store or when they're ringing you up, up at, at the counter at the bank or at the doctor's office or wherever. And so when you encounter certain people in the public who do talk in a way or behave in a way that's off-putting, <laughs> perhaps you can try to feel love for them instead of automatic offense, right? Automatic anger or wanting to automatically talk back or get fresh with them. Perhaps they're going through something. Perhaps they're going through something that maybe you have gone through in your past. Something that once caused you to feel pain as well. We need to walk in love and stand for what is right. Walk in love. Walk in grace. Walk in truth. And in humility before the Lord. And that's a big thing right there. You are not above the Lord's scrutiny. Don't think that you are. If you develop a judgmental attitude, the type that Jesus warned against in the Sermon on the Mount, you're acting as if you're number one. You're acting as if you have the authority to pronounce an affirmative judgment about a person like God. And also you're behaving as if you are above judgment, like God is. <laughs> so you're putting yourself in the place of God. He doesn't like that. So the people of Israel, indeed, were expected to walk in justice, mercy, and humility. And these principles were rooted, well, they were the root of all the stipulations found within the Mosaic Law. And the majority of the Israelites abiding in them would result in a society that was structured, orderly, and lacking in lawlessness and conflict. And we have the responsibility 
We have the task of spreading these same principles in the settings in which we spend the majority of our time throughout the week. Whether it be your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your book club, (laughs) you know, wherever God's placing you in 2024. He wants you to walk in the statutes of mercy, justice, love, and humility so that you can have a positive effect upon the setting that you spend most of your time in. Remember, we as believers are salt. We are preservatives throughout this earth. And the goal is that we emanate a character and behavior that rubs off of us and onto others around us so that they too get saved and begin to walk in mercy and love and humility. You see, the goal is for it to become contagious. (laughs) When we abide in these statutes and other people around us, they see it, and they start to behave that way too. Both non-Christians and other Christians. Some Christians are not walking in these statutes. You know, they're not walking in love for God and love for others. They are impatient and quick to anger, and they do have a temper and an arrogant spirit. But when they see you at church, at the church group that you guys both attend, or when you happen to go on a Mexico missions trip together, or, you know, whatever the case may be, and they see your character, they see your sincerity, they see that the Spirit is truly working through you, they'll be like, you know, hey, this guy or this gal, you know, he, you know they, they actually live out the stuff that we always learn and talk about at the church. Man, they're really serious in their faith. I want to be like that. I want to learn how to truly put my, you know, put away my bitterness and my struggle with unforgiveness. And I want to experience that peace that my fellow brother or sister in the Lord is experiencing. So you see, the Lord wants to use you to have a positive influence not just on non-believers, but even those who are within the Christian community. For even they, at times, need to be reminded of what the Lord expects of us. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Happy New Year, everyone. This has been Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, I would encourage you to share it with someone who also might be blessed by it. Um, I also would encourage you to go give me a positive review. Give me five stars on whatever directory you access this podcast on, especially Apple Podcasts, if you can. Um, Also, I would encourage you to check out my website, westcoastbibleteacher.com, where you can subscribe to my email newsletter. So every time I post a new blog um, or any other type of post, you will receive an email notification, um, and that'll be a huge help to me as well. So this has been Mornings with Pastor Adam, everyone. God bless you, and I will talk to all of you tomorrow morning.